The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. As you are waiting, if you will, open your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. So they're handing those out. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate you doing that. All right. So everyone should have a handout, and uh, it's Grace Talks. That was the training. And so my intent was this morning to have uh, one of these to put in everybody's hand for a couple reasons. One, uh, I mean, it's really good. Some of y'all came to the training, and you've already got this. It's good to have another one. Um, uh, the other thing is, I want you to take it and study it, read it, go through it. It's real simple. He shared with us a simple way to turn every conversation to the gospel, share your story, share his story. Uh, and then it talks about John 3.16 on the back and grace. So take a moment. I mean, not right now. Now, I know if, if, I, if I'm preaching, everybody's looking down. I'm assuming you're either taking notes or you're looking at this the whole time. But, uh, but take it home, have it, use it, uh, read through it. Uh, and I would just encourage you, I've used it probably four or five times since Brother Morgan came. It's really good. It's just a simple way to share your faith or turn a conversation to the gospel. Uh, also, it's kind of a preview next Sunday. Now, we go visiting uh, quite a bit and all the time, different times, but next Sunday is our church-wide visitation. It'll be at 4 o'clock here at the church, gather up here. My heart is that every life group, if you're a part of that, my hope is every life group will have a team here to be a part of that. Uh, why? Why do we gather? Why do we go? Because God has told us to go, clear, clear and simple. He didn't say, wait for them to show up, although God brings them here, to God be the glory. But God wants us to go. There's so much we learn about our Lord when we go in His name and share His story and His gospel with the people around us. Uh, and we all need to be about that. God has called us to do that. He's empowered us by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. And uh, so, so I invite you to be here, every one of you to be here, be a part of that. Uh, opportunity to go out next Sunday at 4 o'clock. If you've got some, let me say it this way, if you've got somebody on your heart that we need to go see, that means you need to go see them. And uh, you need to gra- gather somebody alongside with you uh, to go uh, see that person. So bring that uh, person who's on your heart, bring that name and contact, and we will go see them. I've got people in my, uh, on my list that we need to go visit. Uh, and so be here and be a part of that. Uh, all right, so open your Bibles, John chapter 15. We're going to look at scriptures 1 through 11 this morning. Last Sunday, if you were with me, I asked a question. I said, why are we here? Uh, and you know our mission statement. We recite it often at the end of the service. And uh, it's actually in your, in your bulletin here. Why are we here? We exist to glorify God. And I had to pause right there. And that's really where the Lord had me last Sunday, and it's where I am still today. Why are we here? Um, let me say this to all of you that are here today, because I know we have many guests here today, and I'm grateful for you, but you are here for a reason and for a purpose. You didn't just accidentally show up today. You're, God called you here. He brought you here. He moved on your heart, and I'm grateful uh, for that. For all of us that are here, all of us that know Him personally, God has a purpose and a plan for our lives, and one of those purposes is to bring glory to Him. That that sounds so good, it sounds so preacherly to say that, but it's true. Uh, I shared with you last week talking about the glory and that word in in your Bible, in the Hebrew and in the the Greek New Testament. 
uh, that it really kind of goes back to uh, the weight or God making himself known. It's amazing. God will display his glory. And there are many times throughout Scripture where he makes himself known or brings that to light, the weight of his presence, and he makes it obvious and evident to all around. He also has given us, children of God, to the privilege and the joy to make himself known through our lives. To bring glory to God. To make much of the Lord, uh, as Morgan, I'll just keep saying it, where we live, work, and play. Whatever we do, the scripture says, and it even quotes the most mundane thing of eating and drinking. It says, whatever we do, do it all. Thank you. I mean, somebody's here today. All right. For the glory of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, do it all for the glory. Go ahead. Tell them now. I saw some of y'all not talking to your wife. I'm not going to say who, but anyway. Tell them we're doing it all for the glory of God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Stay with me. Now, I say that because this is of extreme importance. Because some of us might be, and, we, and listen, this can happen to anybody, any place, but we might think we're here just to take a, pl- a place in, I would say a place in the pew, but a place in the chair. Like showing up is what you're called to do. And now, like, don't get me wrong, showing up is important. It would be a very different uh, service this morning if it was just me and Gavin in the house of the Lord. We'd still worship, but it would be very different. So I'm glad you show up and are here uh, but I'm going to take this from O. Rick because that's part of our men's study. He said, but there's no participation award in heaven. Y'all with me? Some of y'all probably don't know what I'm talking about, but there's a trend today. It's been going on for years that if you just show up, you get an award. We're so glad you're here. Here's the medal. You know, and there's, I mean, I get where they're coming from. But the truth is you were made for more than just showing up. And, and really the supreme part of your creation that God made you is to display His glory to the world around us. In other words, so the message of my message today is bearing fruit for the glory of God. John 15, verses 1 through 11. Familiar passage of Scripture. I hope you have your Bibles open or tablet or whatever it is you have the Word of God on. Open it up to John 15. Let's just hear the Word of the Lord this morning. Uh, John 15, beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that, it will, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Some of your Bibles say, abide in me, and, and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man, woman, student, child, doesn't matter, if you know Christ, remain in him and I in him, he or she will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory. What is it? That you bear much fruit. Showing, proving yourselves to be my disciples. That means follower of Christ. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed the Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this. Why, Lord? So that my joy may be in you. 
and that your joy may be complete. Father, I'm just asking you, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint your word and cut us to the heart. We prayed that. I'm praying again, God, open the eyes of our heart that we might see you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Bearing fruit for the glory of God. Why are we here? We're here to bring God glory. How do we do that? We do it through fruit bearing. Now, the first thing I want to say is this in my message is, where's the fruit? Now, I know that doesn't, I don't probably, I don't, you know, deliver it as well as I probably could. I think there was something back in the 90s. Y'all, some of y'all are probably too young for that. But um, I think it was back in the 90s, maybe 80s, where it said, where's the beef, you know, or something like that. One of those commercials. So I wanted to say to us, where's the fruit? Um, and I don't know, Gavin, I probably, guys, y'all, y'all don't have any of those pictures back there. I didn't talk to Gavin, did I? Where's Gavin? All right, all right, all right. That's okay. Anyway, God, picture's worth a thousand words. The fruit that he's most likely referencing here is a grapevine. They're not usually very, does anybody have a grapevine at the house? Anybody got grapes? Uh, you know, it's not a common thing around here. Anybody got an orchard, I guess what you would call it. Um, God, I wish I had that picture. This, this, this is on me. But anyway, um, so, the, so the picture of a grapevine, right? How do we know it's a grapevine? Because of the grapes that are flowing off it, right? The, the evidence demands a verdict. In other words, uh, it, it's pretty clear uh, whether there's fruit or no fruit. The whole, the whole passage here kind of talks about the, the true vine. He talks about every branch uh, that, that, is, that is, abides in him will bear fruit. He wants you to be more fruitful, so he'll prune you up, clean you up, do all this stuff. And then he says there are some branches that don't bear any fruit, and they're worthless. Uh, worthless. So, so I would say to us, there's something we need to acknowledge here in this passage. And I'm saying the evidence demands a verdict. You need to ask yourself a question. Where's the fruit? Personally, in my life with Jesus. He said that every tree that abides in him will bear fruit. In other words, let me say it this way. I'm not talking about grapes and apples and oranges. I'm talking about evidences that you really are a believer. Evidences. In other words, clear, convincing proof. Just as that grape clusters hanging off the vine, it's obvious that's a grape. We ought to be able to look into our lives and go, yes, I'm a Christian. The evidence that's been birthed, that's been given to me virtue by my union with Christ, that in Christ I'm bearing fruit today. And then I make this statement, fruitfulness versus fruitlessness. Um, In the context here, in this passage, John 15, we're we're jumping right in between 14 and 16. I get it. And in the context, I mean, they're they're going towards most likely at the Lord's Supper when this is being delivered. Chapter 14 talks about uh, the work and the promise of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 16 talks about the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. But we also know that at that Lord's Supper, Judas at some point betrays the Lord. And so, I mean, in the context here, he's trying to make it clear. He said, it's very evident, very clear, those that are with me and those that are not with me. Those that are for me and those that are against me. Those that are fruitful and those that are fruitless. So in one context, this passage, I mean, he's really trying to make it clear to the disciples. Look, it's real simple. If you're a believer in Christ, you're going to bear fruit for my glory. You can say, you remember this. Now, this will mess some of us up in Matthew 7. He said this in the Sermon on the Mount. Just because you say, "Woo, I love Jesus. Now, he didn't say it quite like that. That's JJ's paraphrase. But you can say, oh, I healed somebody in Jesus' name. Oh, I did work in Jesus' name. Oh, did you see me at work day? Man, I was wearing it out out there. Whoa, look at this. 
Whoa, I'm a leader in the church. Whoa, I gave a lot of money. He said that means nothing. Only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Those are the ones that know me personally. Friends, somewhere along the line in church, we, we, we begin to really believe if I just show up and do a little something, whoa, I'm getting into heaven. It has nothing to do with that. It's a personal, intimate, loving relationship with your heavenly Father. He uses the analogy here of the vine and the branches. I wish I had that picture because, I mean, you, you see these pictures of orchards that, are, that have been um, cultivated, pruned up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you gardeners in the house, you understand what I'm talking about. It's cleaned up. It looks beautiful. All this light, whoo, you know, beautiful orchard. But if you ever see, apparently there's wild grapes out there somewhere, probably not in Alabama. But anyway, uh, if you ever see a picture of that, which I pulled up one, it, it's, it, it's so intermingled. The vine and the branches are just so intertwined. It's almost, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's almost virtually impossible to see where the vine is and the branch begins. And I think that just illustrates further the point. He's saying, look, he said, when you are know me personally, when you know the vine, if you are part of the true vine, he says here, then it's this union, it's this wrapping yourself up, it's this uh, submersion of yourself into him and him into you. And in that context, he said, you will bear fruit, evidence that you really are a child of God. So we see this in the context, and I think he's trying to hammer home a point, not just here in the context of John in the first century, but for us today. Please hear me, please hear me. I, I think I say this all the time. Y'all know my story. By the way, Thank you to all of you that have sent me your testimony, either handwritten or sent it in the email. I have been so blessed to read that. For those of you who haven't, get to it. I mean, just send it on. Y'all with me? All right, hang with me. Y'all are too either intense or something's going on here. I know, I know. It is intense. Let, let me say it is intense. Um, as your pastor, one of the burdens that I bear... It's a real burden. Is that somebody could come to this church known as Flint Hill, join this church as Flint Hill, serve in this church at Flint Hill, and split hell wide open. That's a burden that I go to the Lord daily with. He wakes me up in the middle of the night bearing that burden. And you say, well, you shouldn't. I do. I'm your pastor, and that's part of the calling as a pastor. You bear that burden. Why, why do I bear that? Because you know what I want for you, for all of you, and for those that are at Southside, for those that aren't here today? I want you to know Christ personally in the power of His resurrection. I want you to know Him. Him. The Lord, God Almighty. In fact, He says here, this is the last of the I Am statements. He says, I am the true vine. Do you realize what He's saying in that moment? Theologically, he's saying you can know God, very God, personally. Listen, you, can, you can't help but to have fruitfulness and a changed life when you know Him. So my, my burden is that I want you to know. I want you to know, for sure. For sure. So I ask the question, where's the fruit? We ought to be able to look into our lives and see the evidence that we are really united with Christ. So he uses the analogy of the vine and the branches. And, I, and I'm going to say this, God the Father. I mean, it's just great theology. I heard some of them talking about the Trinity uh, earlier in one of their Bible studies on Sunday night. And that word Trinity is not in your New Testament, but the theology of Trinity is all throughout the New Testament. There's only one God. Please, 
Go back to Deuteronomy 6, 5, Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. But all throughout the Scripture, God reveals, makes Himself known, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we see this, because He says, He says, my Father is the gardener. So God the Father is the gardener. I mean, He talks about that being a vine dresser. What does that mean? That means He's taking care of the soil. He's watching over the crop. He's watching over that, the, 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 the branches. He, he's going to prune <laughs> That feels good. He's going to prune some of us because we're going to be more fruitful. Some of you gardeners understand that. You've got to get rid of some stuff to be more fruitful. But he's going to take care of that. He's going to fertilize us. He's going to water us. He's going to tend to us because we are his treasure and we're the representation of Christ. Again, I say to us, we are the ambassadors that he has called to go forth in his name to, 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 to represent him. Believe that. I mean, it's amazing. The King of Kings called me and you to represent Him to the world at large. So He tends to us as a, as a father does. And he, and, he, and he supports and encourages us. Then it says, God the Son, the true vine. I've said this earlier. It's one of the, the, the last I am passages. The divinity of Christ. The deity of Christ. I, I mean, literally, this is His statement. As God in human flesh, Jesus rightly pointed to Himself in this passage as the source of all spiritual life, vitality, and growth and productivity. Friend makes it clear. He says, I am the vine. It is not religion. It is not some list of rules. It's not about any of that stuff. It is about a person, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I want you to know me. Because it's in me that you'll have life. And you'll have life everlasting. Life now and forevermore. But then there's the believer, which is the branch. So, so, so I've shared with you earlier about the Holy Spirit. In other words, God has given us the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, to what? To, to baptize the Word, Romans 6, baptize into Christ Jesus. Now, that baptism, right, uh, rightly so, is your first message. And that's a declaration that I'm a changed person. But when you confessed your sin to the Lord, when you called out to Him and said, God, save me. I've read your testimony. You came to that point in your life and you said, God, save me. God, help me. You, you turned to the Lord in that moment, in that moment. You don't wait for some preacher. In that moment, God baptized you into His body. He changed you and wrought you from heaven above. In that moment. And I, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit working in our life. The connectivity is wrapped up by the Holy Spirit of God. That's why he can say, listen, every, every branch in me is going to bear fruit. So it makes me ask the question, what is a God-glorifying fruit? What is it? Because, I mean, you know, if he leaves it to chance, I'm saying, let me say this. He doesn't deal with all the fruitfulness that a believer would ever have, right? But there are some specific fruits that he deals with in this passage of Scripture. So let's just deal with those. God glorifying fruit. What are they, Lord? We need to know this. Are they, is it evidence in my life? Look in verse 7 of the passage. He says, if you remain in me or abide in me, my words will remain in you. Verse 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as, I, just as I've obeyed the Father's commands and remain in His love. So the first, what we talk about, God glorifying fruit, how do we display, how do we make much of the Lord, is obedience to the commands of God. There, there's no way getting around this. The evidence that I'm really a 
Christian, the fruitfulness of my life is that I am concerned and compelled to be obedient to the Word of God. There's no way around it. God has used this where He's anointed, inspired this Word to, to, to transform my life, to speak to our hearts, to draw us closer to Him. And a love for Him means a love for His Word. And notice he says obedience is the key. It's not how much of God's Word you know, right? You can read the Bible every, every day or read through it every year. You can have all this wealth of knowledge of the Scripture and not know Him personally as your Lord and Savior. And you're saying, Jay, you're getting a little hard on us. Listen, that's the, that's the same issue the Pharisees had in the first century. Jesus even said, he said, your knowledge of Scripture puffs you up. You, you don't even acknowledge me. And the Bible's replete of testimonies that I am the Messiah, that I am the truth, and I am the way, and I am the life. They couldn't see it, yet they were filled with knowledge of this Word. So please hear me. It's not your knowledge of God's Word that is the evidence of fruitfulness. It's the obedience. It's the obedience. Whenever we open our heart to God's Word, God's Word just comes in as, as God breathes it into our heart. And there comes that point where we've got to make a decision. Am I really going to believe God, trust in Him, and rely upon His Word? And in that moment, black people would say that's a crisis of faith, but in that moment, there's something generated inside my heart by the Holy Spirit of God that says, walk in this way. We just prayed it. God, teach us your way. Show us your way. Well, let me just say, the way of the Lord is rooted in His Word. Obedience to that word is evidence. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an undeniable fruitfulness that we really know the Lord. Verse 10, it says this. The second one is displaying God's love. If you obey me, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. In the same way, this will mess us up a little bit. The same way that the love of the fathers and the love of the Son, God wants me and you to love Him in that same way and for Him to love us in that same way. This is why Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, Lord, that you would, that you would pour out your love that, transforms, that, that transcends knowledge. Pour it out in our hearts. Grow us up. Teach us. Show us. Help us to know this love, the, the depth of it, the height of it, the width of it. The fullness of your love. God, unleash it in our hearts that we might know you in that way. But it's not just about loving the Lord, is it? The evidence that I really am a Christian is that my love for God always finds traction. The rubber meets the road in our life when we want. The love we have for the Lord moves to loving others the way God loves them. In other words, if you can say to me today, I love the Lord, but you can't stand people around you, something's wrong because that's not biblical. If our love for my Lord doesn't move us to serve and to minister to people in His name, something's wrong with that picture because that's Bible. It's not my profession that I love the Lord. It's the demonstration that I love my Lord by loving people. All right, faith-filled praying. Verse 7, look at this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. I mean, this is an incredible statement here. Uh, remain or abide in me and, and you ask whatever you wish. 
and it'll be given to you. Faith-filled praying is evidence. It's fruitfulness under the Lord. It brings glory to God when we pray in His name according to His will. Now, this is not a license just to pray whatever you want and God's going to somehow give it to you like He's your uh, 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 little fairy in heaven and you just pray, God, I need this, I need that. That's not it at all. He says, I mean, the, the key to this is a remaining in Him and His will and His purposes. But don't miss this. He says, ask and it will be given. Let me just remind you that the same Lord taught us, look, you can speak to that mountain, be ye removed, and it will be gone. He's the same one that said, hey, sometimes things only come out through prayer and fasting. We, we, Gavin mentioned earlier about Daniel. We looked at it in our life group this morning. He poured himself out before God in fasting as he pray, prayed to the Lord. When we ask of God, I'm, I'm, I'm just our prayer life is a reflection of what we really believe about our Heavenly Father. Is he really able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine? Or do we pray them safe prayers? I couldn't help but uh, remember Richard Blackby. Some of y'all know who I'm talking about. Shared a story when they were building the seminary up there in Canada. And they had a crane out there. And it was costing them all kind of money to have this crane. And guys were there Monday morning to get to work. They had to raise the, what do you call them? Trussles? Trussles? What is it? What is that? Somebody help me. Those little things that hold the roof on. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Stay with me. I'm not a builder. All right. Hang with me. But the wind was blowing so violently they couldn't use, they couldn't get it up there. It would be unsafe. So they're gathered up. They always gather up for morning devotion, and they're sitting there in the room. I know Richard would tell. He'd tell a lot better than I would. But he said, one of these men, they're just hardworking men. They've given up their life. They've given up a week of their life to come up there and put this roof on this seminary, this, this building. And one of those men, he, he had a little ball cap on. He said, well, that wind's just a blowing outside. He said, well... Uh, Richard, I, I guess you need to ask the Lord to stop the wind. I mean, that, they're up there to work. They got a crane sitting out there that's ching, cha ching, cha ching, spending money. What are we going to do? He said, Well, I guess, and you know, and of course, he's the minister in the room and all these other guys, you know, they're laborers. They're just, they're just up there working for the Lord. And uh, so they all take their hats off and bow their heads. And so now it's on for Richard to start praying. And he's like, I mean, his mind, he's processing. He's like, Lord, what are we going to do? I mean, I've never prayed to stop the wind before. You know, we can say, if it's your will, Lord, may you stop that wind. But anyway, so he begins to pray. And he prayed. He said, Lord, there's no way we can do this work without you stopping this wind. And it was, a, it was one of those prayers, he said, pushed him to a place that, that quite honestly, made it very difficult. He, he had to really believe, is God, and I'm, I'm going to ask you, church, I know. Is God able to stop the wind? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting when we get put in a position where we are the ones asking, God, would you please? So he does, and he prays that prayer. Of course, the whole time, if he was here, he would be telling you, honestly, he's like struggling with this on the inside. Well, those guys, when they got finished praying and he asked God to stop the wind, there was kind of this moment of silence, and all of a sudden, one of them just said, okay. Let's get to work. And he put his hat on and boom, they're going out the door. And he said, he said to us in that group, he said, well, you know, I didn't race after him. He said, I just stood there in that place in that little fellowship hall and he let them go on out because, I mean, honestly, in his mind, he's like, Lord, what's going to happen here? I mean, you know, that's a, that's a strong prayer of faith. You know, he's struggling on the inside and all of a sudden he starts hearing all this noise on the outside and these people yelling and then, and he, so he walks outside. I mean, the wind just prior to him coming in was blowing significantly it was unsafe condition he walks outside and it was the most eerie silence 
that he's ever experienced. The wind had stopped. And to his own testimony, he said they worked all week. And when the last trust, whatever, got put up, the wind started blowing again. Is God able? Yes. Is God glorified when his people believe by faith that he's able to do more than they ever ask or imagine? Absolutely. All right. Last thing is this, the fruitfulness, the evidence. Experiencing fullness of joy. I want you to see this, man. It's just so evident to me in verse 11. How how, how do we bring glory to God? Look at this in verse 11. I have told you this. Oh, Lord, let us listen. So that my joy, he's speaking about his joy, may be in us, in you. And that your joy may be complete or full in him. Fullness of joy. That's what the psalmist said. The psalmist said that it's in Psalm 1611, that in your presence is abundance or fullness of joy, and at your right hand are eternal pleasures. Blackie makes this statement. He says, as we consciously draw near to God, we will be overwhelmed by the profound sense of pure, unquenchable joy. What a beautiful testimony. In other words, how do we bring glory to God? How, how, that fruit that he's talking about that we need to bear, that we could display and make much of the Lord, is this fruit of joy. Now, please hear me here. Please hear me. I've heard preachers say this all the time and difference between joy and happiness and all this stuff. But I'm, I'm going to be straight up. This joy is not a based on our circumstances. It is from God Almighty. He said, my joy I'm going to give to you so that your joy may be complete. How in the world did Paul and Silas in a prison at midnight begin praising the Lord? Had nothing to do about their circumstances. How? Because Jesus Christ himself birthed inside of them something this world can't ever give you. That's what people don't understand. They think more money, more stuff is going to bring joy. Never! It is in Christ alone. The evidence, the fruit. I know. So let me just move on. The key to all of this, this fruitful Christian living. Six times in these 11 verses, he uses that word, abide. Or remain. The word's minnow. That's It's the central truth of this passage. He said those that abide in Him will bear fruit. And fruit that will remain. That will display God's glory through the evidence of these fruitfulness in their lives. That word abide, literally, it describes something that is fixed. Or a state of being that, that doesn't move or endures. In the context here, what he's referenced to is this unbroken communion that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, if I had that picture, that interwoven of the, the vine and the branches on that grapevine, you couldn't see where one end and the other began. Why? Because the communion that we have with Christ is so intimate and it's so personal and so life-changing. So here's here's where I want to bring this to a close today. Y'all listen. Please hear this. God help us to hear. Are there any habits in your life? Are there any hurts in your life? Are there any issues in your life that are hindering you abiding in Christ? 
May the pruning shears of the Holy Spirit be at work in our hearts right now. God wants us to bear fruit to display His glory where we live, where we work, and where we play. So in this moment, if God is revealing to you any habits, any hurts, or any issues that might be hindering you in abiding in Christ, claim 1 John 1.9, child of God. Confess and forsake and renounce your sin today. Claim the cleansing power of God's forgiveness today. And commune with your heavenly Father and bear fruit for his glory. Father, right now we want to praise you. I can't thank you enough for today. I can't thank you enough for your, your son dying on a cross God, right now here in this auditorium, I, I believe you're at work in our hearts. God, would you allow us to just be honest with you right now? Would you allow us to be transparent with you right now? God, would you open up our hearts right now, please, Lord Jesus, and do your work. Holy Spirit, please do your work right now in our hearts. God, I'm just asking you on behalf of the people of God in the house of the Lord today, God, that you would work in us, transform our lives to be more like Christ, that we would bear fruit, evidence of a changed life, of a life lived for the glory of God. God, I do ask this in the mighty, powerful, strong name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have your way in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand, stand with me, church. Just to be clear, we're having a time, what we call response time or an invitation. To be clear, if you're here today, and the Holy Spirit of God touched your heart, your, your mind, and said, here's a habit, here's an issue, here's a hurt that's hindering you. Please hear me. You don't have to come to this altar, but you need to cry out to your Heavenly Father by faith. Forsake that and claim the forgiveness that you have in Christ. May the cleansing power of the Lord Jesus flood your soul as we sing this song. Let's sing this together.